Grab your hiking shoes and your backpack and come out on another adventure. This is the Texas Trailhead. Welcome to episode five of the Texas Trailhead podcast. On this podcast episode, I'll be talking about the 10 essential items. Do you know what they are? I'll also talk about my recent trip to Lockhart State Park and let you know what are my favorite trails and what you can expect from the park in general. So put on your hiking shoes and grab your backpack and let's go out on another adventure. This is the Texas Trailhead. Welcome back to another episode of the Texas Trailhead. The intention with the Texas Trailhead, even this early on, is not to focus solely on beginner hiking or experienced hiking. It's not even really to talk about through hiking or just day hiking. It's just to talk about hiking and camping and being outdoors and just really kind of sharing stories from the trail and, and what inspired us to get out outside. And, uh, you know, part of that is also sharing gear stories, kind of what I like to use, what y'all like to use. Um, and maybe some of this stuff is repetitive and maybe this stuff is going to be new, but I want to make sure I go over as much as I can and everyone can kind of find value and, and different things and, but everyone should, feel included. So I want to do something that's a little bit basic for this first segment on this episode. And that is go over what most people would, would refer to as the 10 essentials. And these are just 10 essential items that you should have with you pretty much at all times. Some of them seem kind of obvious and some of them are just additions to add depending on how long of a hike you may or may not be doing. So the original essentials list goes back to probably about the 1930s. Um, it was an organization called the Mountaineers uh, from Seattle. And uh, they wanted to just come up with a, a standard list that people could use for different situations, emergency situations, or just to be prepared and if you were in uh, scouts any any version of scouts you you had you've learned different things that you should be taking but i kind of just wanted to go over the 10 essentials and kind of bring them up to date for 2020 and you know me who's mostly a, a day hiker i do a lot of day hiking um i i still take a lot of this stuff with me when i go hiking and and you know i, I see people out on the trail and I'm walking by them with my trekking poles, which isn't isn't part of this, but you know, and that's okay. You you can go out and and carry your your big backpack and have your trekking poles and have your extra water, and it's it doesn't matter if you feel like you're overdoing it or not. You're you're out there for your experience. Remember that, and don't ever feel like you shouldn't take something or add something to your pack just because of what you feel someone else is going to say. I know the first time that I was hiking and I had my full backpack and I had my my trekking poles and I was had the little 
straw nozzle in my mouth for water and I saw this couple on the same trail I was and they didn't even have a backpack and they were just walking around with like their Nalgene water bottle and I I felt a little bit silly with all of my gear and then I just had to stop and kind of remember like you know we all hike differently and we all have different needs and and you know I had a hammock in my backpack so if I came to a point and I wanted to put my hammock somewhere on some trees I could and and uh that that's just about being prepared so before I get kind of too off track here are the uh 10 essentials that you should have while uh at least hiking and and there there is no minimum and you can kind of take from this and adapt it to your own your own needs and and your own trip for that day depending on the length so the first one is is navigation i know we all have most of us have mobile devices i feel like and, and most of us are taking those out when we're hiking nowadays i know google maps is what i use mostly um but i also use hiking project and I use Gaia. Some of them can just rely on GPS, and some of them really need to have that cell service. But any any kind of navigation, and just be prepared. You know, I just went to Lost Maples, and uh, you can catch that. You can catch that video on YouTube. Little side sidebar. Um, but on the information that we looked up, it, it had mentioned that there was no cell service out there. And Enchanted Rock kind of is the same. You know, you go to Enchanted Rock and it's spotty. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll be fine. Enchanted Rock doesn't really have good service, but I get enough to kind of get by. And Lost Maples has zero service. It, it was no joke. There is no service out there. Not even spotty connections, so... Don't always rely on your cell phone because they're not always going to work. And I wouldn't necessarily say if you're going on a, a a shorter day hike that you need to take out your fancy GPS device with a uh, you know emergency beacon connection on there. But it is good to at least have a compass in your pack. It's just one of those simple compasses. And of course, just the map. If you can get both of those two things and learn how to use them correctly, you can kind of gauge where you're going to be if you get lost on, you know, like a 10 to 20 mile hike. I feel like if you're you're doing a shorter day hike, you know, just a compass is going to be a good thing to have. But something something to help you navigate. That's that's essential number one. Number two is a headlamp, and I use a headlamp mostly when I'm at the campsite just to kind of see the area while hiking, but they definitely, if you do any early morning hikes or night hikes, it's definitely important to have. And don't forget that if you've had one for a while, make sure you have the extra batteries because... You'd hate to be in a situation where you're in the middle of a night hike just trying to get miles or just getting up early and you, you had planned that you were going to wake up nice and early and, and get going on your day and then you put on your headlamp and turn it on instead. So besides checking it before you head out on your on your hike or camp, um, 
take extra batteries for your headlamp. You'll it'll come it'll come in good handy. And if you're backpacking, you you probably won't be putting a lantern in your backpack like you would if you were just doing some car camping. So it's good to have that also as a flashlight as well. In Texas, number three probably goes without saying, but some kind of sun protection, sunscreen. Um, you know, they make wrap devices, different companies make different um, fabrics, synthetic fabrics that you can put around your neck or over your head and cover your head up. Uh, I mean, stuff like hat, sunglasses, sun protection is really, really essential, especially if you're going to be somewhere like at Pernell State Park, where it definitely opens up a lot and you're in direct sunlight for a good, good period of time. So next up is going to be just some sort of first aid. You can find a guide for first aid on the site that I'll talk about soon. But, you know, different first aid kits for different lengths of hikes. I have a bigger one for longer hikes and I have a smaller one for smaller hikes. And it's really just the extra items that are in each each kit. So on the smaller one, it just has some of the essentials, Band-Aid, ointment. On the big one, that's when you'll have more wraps and more uh, antibacterial. It even has some acetaminophene and just stuff to kind of help with pain relief. And if you do cut yourself, bigger bandages, more gauze, stuff like that. So don't think, oh, I'm only hiking for five miles. Yeah, you can still cut yourself on the trail. Don't don't just assume that a short hike means you're completely safe. Number five on the 10 essentials list would be a knife. I carry a knife in my pocket pretty much always anyways, and that's the one that comes with me when I hike. Uh, you can use that for a variety of different things. If there's something on the trail that you need to cut or, you know, from for protection, that's that's a big thing too. But having a knife is, is going to be important. This next one, number six, probably not for your shorter hikes, but definitely for your longer hikes, a way to start a fire or a way to start to help you start a fire. So that can be anything from a lighter to tinder. Um, when I was in Scouts, I had this little, like a magnesium scraper that you would kind of slice and then you would spark on the other side to get the fire started. Um, one of the other things we used to use too, which was a fun throwback, is we would take a 9-volt battery and steel wool. That was kind of a fun trick. So you would just put the 9-volt battery on the steel wool, steel wool, and it would spark up, and you can put that under some uh, tinder and kindling and get a fire going. If you were going to be on a longer hike, some waterproof matches, those are always ideal, and they make little containers, but you can also put them in, well, probably not as many people using them as much anymore, but little film canisters or just recycled medicine bottles. Those are a good way to put matches and keep them out of uh, most most water situations. Number seven on the 10 essentials list is going to be shelter. 
That can be anything from a tarp if you're ultra lightweight, a mosquito net, just just something, or a tent in your in your backpack, something that you can put up relatively with ease to block you from the elements if you get caught in a pretty gnarly storm. In Texas, you know, rain can happen in a jiffy, but for the most part, we know when rain's coming because there, there's definitely times when we don't see it as much as we need to. Number eight is extra food, snacks, trail snacks. I uh, keep boxes of various um, protein bars and stuff in my car, so whenever I, I hit the trail, I, I just grab you know, a handful, depending on how many miles I'm planning on, on doing, uh, you know, one per three miles, just kind of depending on your, your appetite. But if, if you can afford to carry more, then definitely take what you can. Number nine on the essentials list, definitely extra water. I mentioned in a previous episode that I will typically have in the summer, my backpack uh, water reservoir carries two and a half liters. And then if I know it's going to be kind of a 10 to 15 mile day, I'll take an extra water bottle. That is a water bottle typically I'd freeze the night before. And then as the day progresses, it'll melt. But I'll have my main water pouch and then I'll have that water bottle kind of throughout throughout the day if I need it, and then it's cold water too. And then also, if it's especially hot, then I'll have just something ready to go in my car at the end of the day to, to drink, just to cool off a little bit. And then extra clothes. Kind of along the lines of the rain thing, I was keeping a rain jacket in my backpack Pretty much always, just in case, because the weather can be so back and forth. There have been times when I didn't know it was going to rain, and it ended up raining. I was in Bastrop, and all of a sudden, the clouds rolled in, and it started pouring. And I got to miss it a little bit, but I was happy that I had my rain jacket. I was able to go to one of the scenic overlooks, fairs overlook, if you've ever been to Bastrop State Park, and put on my rain jacket just in time, but was able to hang out there enough. But kind of the point, you don't, if you're at a place that you've never been to before, you you might not know of any shelters that are in the area. So it's just important to have Extra clothes, or in the case of some of the state parks that have water there, if you want to splash around and take a little swim, you know, have your swim trunks and you can always hang those on your backpack and let them dry as you finish the rest of the trail. And in the summer, kind of relating to the trail hiker or trail runner episode is if I know I'm going to be somewhere that has water, I'll wear my Chaco sandals up until the point where I cross the water. And then once I'm on the other side, I'll put on my hiking shoes and hike the rest of the way. So those are the 10 essential items. Do you have any items that are essential to you that you like to take on the trail? 
those are pretty much things that I take with me always. If it's a park I've never been to, my backpack allows trekking poles on the back. So going back to that, I, I usually have my trekking poles with me. If it's a park I've been to and I know the terrain, I'll I'll leave them at home or in my car. They most of my camping gear is camping and hiking gear stays in my car. But if it's a if it's a place I've been to before and I know I'm gonna be okay, I usually won't take my poles. But if it's a place that was new, so for example, Lost Maples, I was really glad that I took my trekking poles because my daughter used them for a little bit too. But yeah, if there's anything that you feel is an essential item that you take with you while you're hiking, yeah, let me know. I, I like to know kind of what you find is important for when you do shorter hikes or longer hikes or when y'all camp out. And maybe we can compare notes and see what, what you feel like is an essential item and what is something that you can just leave behind. All right, so that is the end of the first segment. We'll be right back after these messages, and I will talk to you all about Lockhart State Park and how much fun it was. So thanks a lot. Stay tuned. Hey, welcome back to the next segment of the Texas Trailhead. So I've got to say, so far 2020 has been off to a pretty fun start. I kicked off this podcast... And a few of the parks I've already been to this year have all been places we've never been to. And the one I want to talk about today is Lockhart State Park. And the first one of the year, in fact, was Lockhart State Park. So it was pretty exciting to go to a a new park in general, but the first one of the year, especially because... I didn't uh, get to do the first day hikes anywhere. And when I was off next was actually the 2nd of January and I went fishing instead. But my daughter, who, you know, has always been kind of, will always be part of these hiking stories. She wasn't back in school yet. We had one more day off together before she had to go back to school. Um, She's in fourth grade. And so we decided to do what I thought would be just a very simple state park that was close to our house. And originally my impressions of Lockhart State Park were, were minimal. I didn't, I didn't have high expectations, but after visiting this place, I realized I was, I was way off. So thanks for joining along on this episode and learning a little bit more about Lockhart State Park. So Lockhart, Texas is best known for one thing if you're into food. And if you're not from Texas, uh, thanks for listening. But, um, you know, barbecue is a big deal in Texas. And Lockhart, I guess, would be what it's best known for. It's, It's definitely nicknamed the barbecue capital of Texas. But, you know, some would maybe even say barbecue capital of the world. They're the the big three are in Lockhart. You have Smitty's Market, you've got Black's Barbecue, and you've got Kreutz Market. And if you're planning a road trip, if you if you hike and also like barbecue and are planning a road trip, I would definitely recommend stopping in a Lockhart for uh, those those three places. And if you're gonna go to Lockhart, 
I would definitely try each place, get something, a little something from each place and try all three in one day. And if you want my personal recommendation, I'd probably say at Smitty's, I'd do the ribs there. And then at Black's, I'd probably just stick to the brisket at Black's. And then if you go to Kreutz, their German potato salad is super rad. It's like that warm style potato salad. And then they are really known for their sausage. They ship their sausage out all over the world. And uh, the the whole barbecue scene in Lockhart has a very storied history as well, specifically with Kreutz Market and Smitty. So definitely, definitely look into that. And up until that point, that's really all I'd gone to Lockhart for. It's a quick trip from where I live, which is Kyle. And so I just hop over, grab some brisket, and then head back home. Um, the square, the, the courthouse in the square is pretty rad to look at too. But um, So when I started hiking and started kind of mapping out where I was wanting to go, Lockhart never really piqued my interest. Um, especially something like an enchanted rock or pernalis. It just was there. It was close by. And I figured I'll, I'll visit eventually. It's not going anywhere. It's not something I'm going to really miss out on or really. So I thought so, but because of that, the closeness was a bit of the reason why I wanted to go just with my daughter, because I knew we can get over there pretty quickly. And, uh, and then get back. But um, once I kind of re-looked at the map and started just kind of delving into it a little bit more, I, I noticed a lot more about the fishing that's there. And just as I'm recently a, a new fly uh, fly angler, that's definitely something that I love. If I can, would like to combine in one day the the hiking and fishing. If I can do both of those things in one afternoon, then I'm I'm pretty stoked, and I I consider that a pretty good day. So, so yeah, so we got all our stuff together and uh, packed our bags and a couple light snacks and made our way. And from where I live to Lockhart, it's pretty much all back roads, and the the back roads are kind of through some some little small towns and remnants of small towns, really, and bunch of empty lots and, and but a lot of ranch land so a lot of open space and you know a couple turns here and there and eventually you make it um to the to the road that leads you into what immediately struck me was the lush beauty that is Lockhart State Park and one of the other things that I guess I didn't really think about at first, but it really struck me once I drove in and was reminded about was that Lockhart is a CCC park. And if you've read any of my posts on the website, or if you've listened to any of the other episodes, um, then you'll know that I love the, uh, the, uh, the CCC parks. I, I just think they're awesome and it's, it's great history. And, and you'll see that the, the stonework is pretty much everywhere all around, especially from, you know, the fence when you're going in and then the headquarters, uh, just beyond that entrance. It's, it's really close to the entrance and you'll find glimpses of that hard work at, uh, other locations at the park. So there was an original pool and you can still see some of the remaining wall that was built. And then I first noticed these at Bastrop, 
State Park, which is in an upcoming episode. Um, but the water fountains that, you know, water was piped kind of through these stone worked water fountains and, and that's how water got through the parks. But you see those here at um, Lockhart State Park. And then uh, the rec hall, the recreation hall that is there still. And it's it's next to this pretty awesome water tower that I'll talk about here in a second. And along with all of that, all of the, the great structures, um, there's water that flows through. There's a nice creek that flows through the park. And that just adds to the spectacular scenery, I feel like. And it breaks open those those wide open spaces with, you know, just those delicate sounds of the flowing creeks, especially when there aren't that many people there and not a lot of cars and, and you're not at a park that has a lot of city city noise and, and you can just kind of close your eyes and hear the water go through and walking alongside the water and, and you'll also be introduced to the golf course that's there and definitely still functional and 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 actually it's the only golf course that's operated by the Texan Parks and Wildlife. So that's pretty neat. When I originally looked at the map, I just thought that they built the state park on an old golf course, old golf course, uh, because it's kind of hard to tell from maps. You know, I saw a golf course and, and without doing too much research, I just was like, oh, okay, well, that's weird. They they put a state park on an old golf course land, but uh, it wasn't until I actually finally visited the park that I realized, nope, they run it and it still works. And there were people playing when we were there. And uh, so that being said, there is a fun point of interest by uh, the previously mentioned water tower, which is the original first tee box. Um, at one point, it was known as the highest tee box in Texas. And this section of land overlooks what is now the sixth hole uh, that's just below. So it, it doesn't look like a tee box like you would think of one um, when, you, when you're when you there. It's really overgrown, but you can kind of tell where it was cut out and look down to the, the golf course just below, which is pretty neat. The Clear Fork Creek, that was the creek I was talking about, that flows through the park, and the CCC built multiple dams throughout the park. My favorite view and the photo I used for the the main photo on the website comes from the Check Dam number three, and that's located on the Creek View Trail. And the water there, and it was it's it was we were there just a couple of weeks ago, and this is January, um, you know, the middle of January, and just the leaves were nice and there was browns and grays and we were there on kind of a drizzly day and and the water flowing looked really good and it was just a really 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 nice spot but the creek view trail uh it's located on pretty much the opposite end of the the park when you get in and it, it kind of connects with the hilltop trail the persimmon trail and the fence line trail um, so they all kind of connect at one spot and the um, half of those trails are along the water. So it's really pretty. And just a heads up, there is no actual parking on the road where the trails begin. So you'll need to park uh, a little bit away. You'll you'll have to hike to it a little bit. 
I um, found a, a little spot that had opened up that was covered in gravel on the side of the road there on the loop. And uh, so we parked there and, and, and checked out the Creekview Trail really quickly. But for that day, the hike consisted of the CCC Trail, the Caddy Trail, the Chisholm Trail, and then we took the Chisholm Trail and we did the Comanche Loop kind of halfway uh, along the Chisholm Trail. We started this trail by looking at the rec hall, the CCC rec hall. And there are picnic tables there, and the building is is pretty sizable. It's really neat, and all around it, there's just space where you can kind of look around. and And um, to the left of the rec hall is another point of interest. It's point of interest number seven, and it's the water tower. And it was a cistern for the rec hall that was built back in the 1930s, and it's pretty neat to look at. And you can get pretty close to it. There's no barrier or anything. And uh, just kind of check out. It doesn't obviously function as what it was built for anymore. But the structure is still looking pretty solid. And and that's where, um, that's where, right behind that is where you'll find that tea box that I was talking about. And uh, right down from there is one of the paths uh, to the golf course down the low. And that's, that's kind of where the trail starts. The... Uh, CCC trails right there. Um, so once you get the onto the Chisholm Trail, uh, the Comanche Loop is pretty scenic. The, all of it's really, really scenic. There's trees on either side and more views of the golf course. You're going to see the golf course in a lot of the trails that you're going to walk on. And you'll also see a lot of the water that kind of flows through. And and just thinking back on it, just the 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 time of year and kind of the forecast, it just lent to a really really pretty pretty scenery everywhere we looked. And my daughter, you know, we're starting to get back in the groove a little bit with the hiking, and she is getting definitely getting her trail legs back under her for 2020. And I gotta say, she didn't ever feel that any part of the hikes that we did, especially on the this little section that we did, was uh, too strenuous for her. There was nothing crazy in terms of elevation. The Chisholm to the Comanche Loop um, trail had a little bit of elevation, but nothing too crazy. So while you're walking out there, eventually you'll come to that T. So it'll be the Chisholm Trail, and you can go right. And then if you go left, that's when you'll head towards the Comanche Loop. And uh, according to the map, the Comanche Loop was named for the overlook, um, the overlook used by the Comanche tribes to prepare for any enemies. So some great history there and a little bit of the Texas part of Texas that we're in. And the scenic loop is an easy trail, definitely an easy trail, just a nice stroll through the park. Like I said, nothing too crazy. If you are looking for a little bit more terrain, there are two more challenging trails at Lockhart State Park. Uh, I would say the persimmon uh, trail, persimmon, How, what are we, am I saying it right? If not, let me know. Persimmon trail, already mentioned, and the rattlesnake run trail, it's about half a mile. So not super long, but the rattlesnake run trail has a little bit more of the terrain changes that most people will want to hike on. 
and that'll that'll get you breaking a sweat. And they're not the rugged, you know, little rugged hillside trails that offer some great shade still, but even even in the cooler months, make sure you're you're taking plenty of water, y'all. Um, some of the other trails, just you know, looking at the trail listing, uh, you would look at the Wild Rose Loop, which is 0.4 miles, and the Clear Fork Trail, which is half a mile. Um, and both of those trails are fairly close to the entrance of the park and near the two main camping areas. So, speaking of camping areas, uh, kind of like Blanco State Park. If you've ever been to Blanco, there isn't a ton in terms of camping. Most of the camping areas are used primarily for RVing, uh, but these spaces can definitely hold a tent. I'd recommend the Clear Fork Camping Loop for tents and the Fairway View Camping Loop for the RV as their water electric sites and full hookup sites, respectively. And just driving around, it's definitely the, the sites are pretty close to each other, too, so you won't get some of that separation that you would in some of the other parks. But obviously, if you're in an RV or a camper, you're probably staying in there anyway. So, But there was, there was a handful of people that were there in RVs. I don't remember seeing anybody in tents, but like I said, that's not to say... I think the first time I went to Guadalupe River State Park, me and my buddy were, stayed at a site that was water electric. So, you know, technically for an RV, but there was plenty of room for a tent and my hammock. So yeah, I mean, if, if that's what you want to do, bust out the tent then bust it out. You're enjoying the outdoors and there's no right or wrong way to do that. Um, so overall, I was really thrilled with our first visit to Lockhart State Park. I, um, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect just based off of the size. Um, but once you get in and dig around a little bit, then, um, you know, you'll be pleasantly surprised, I feel like, about what it has to offer. Um, you know, I mentioned the fishing earlier and my daughter and I, our, our fishing rods are in the car pretty much always. And so we found a spot we can park at and you know, chunked our lines out into the water, but, you know, we really, you know, we probably caught more tree branches than fish that day. Well, well, we didn't catch any fish that day. So, um, she got her line stuck in the tree among everyone else that had been fishing there recently. So that was kind of funny to see all the different lures and bobbers, um, from different people that were fishing and had kind of the same trouble we did, but you know, talking to the people at the entrance at the headquarters, they said that it's pretty popular for fishing. So don't be discouraged by our uh, lack of fish catching. Definitely take your rod and, and go have fun and experience it yourself. So yeah, so that's Lockhart State Park. Uh, thanks again, as always, for listening to this next episode of the Texas Trailhead Podcast. And let me know too if there's anything that you want me to talk about. I posted some stuff on the Facebook page, the Texas Trailhead Facebook page, and a few people are starting to chime in and give me some good feedback. And they they really just I think want to do what I'm doing and um, just talk about our experiences and talk about what our impressions were of the trail and and the different parks and stuff. But if there's something you want me to cover definitely leave me a message on the Anchor FM 
um, app or website or just on the Facebook page. And I'll put all those links in the, um, in the description below. And if you like what you're listening to and you listen to me on a format that allows rating, go ahead and, and rate it and how you feel if it's good or if I can do better and it'll kind of help others find this podcast and, uh, kind of give me some, some feedback on, on what I can improve or, um, what I should keep doing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm still learning and this wasn't something I ever planned on doing. And, you know, I'm still trying to nail out the first interview guest. I've talked to a few people that, uh, showing some interest and, and it's all about working with, you know, we all, uh, I've talked about this again in other, in, in other episodes, is, you know, we all have lives that are outside of our hobbies and what we like to do in our free time. So I'm trying my best to get people on the show. And But with that being said, if, if, if you have a fun story or if you work for an organization that is about getting people outdoors and or... You know, I don't want to consider myself a, a wellness podcast. It, that just happens to be what my experience was and why I made it outside. But that that can be part of what you want to talk about too. If that if hiking is something that makes you feel better and with your mental health, then let's let's chat about it and and get other people inspired. So again, thanks for listening, and uh, you know. Grab your backpack and put on your hiking shoes and let's go out on another adventure. This is the Texas Trailhead.